Hello and welcome to another episode of Golbazan Podcast. Uh, I'm Sino Soemian, your host uh, for today. I'm joined by uh, one of our regular panellists, uh, Pejman Upars. Uh, Pejman, it's good to speak to you again. Hi Sina, nice to be back. Lovely to hear from you and the new guys. Thank you, Pejman. We also have, as, as Pejman mentioned, uh, we have two new contributors to the podcast. So I'm, I'm very pleased to welcome Atbin uh, Mu'ayyadi. Uh, Atbin, great to speak to you, great to have you on. Um, how are you doing? Hi, thanks, Sina. Yeah, great to uh, join you guys and get involved in the podcast. Perfect. And uh, Samson Tamijani is also joining us from the States. Uh, Samson, you okay? Yeah, I'm happy to join y'all. It's uh, I, I've I've heard a lot about y'all, and uh, I I figured uh, it'd, it'd be useful to uh, add in uh, add in what what I have because uh, I mean, me me and my whole family we've followed Team Millie for a long time, and uh, yeah, I'm just happy to uh, put put in uh, put in anything I can offer. Perfect. So we'll get started. Um, as you all know, um, Iran under twenties uh, qualified for the World Cup this summer. Uh, which took place in South Korea. It was the first time that we qualified for this tournament, I think since the 1970s, so um, it was long overdue. Um, We qualified for this tournament having played in the uh, AFC Under-19 Championship uh, last year, which became uh, fourth in the tournament. We were grouped with um, Zambia, Portugal, and uh, Costa Rica. We came bottom of the group with three points, so we were knocked out. But um, first question, I'm going to come to you, Pejman, is going into the tournament, uh, what were your expectations uh, of the team and what were you expecting for this team to achieve? Well, I was actually hoping for a qualification because, you know, in, uh, when you're playing these kind of uh, tournaments, being Portugal or being like one of the bigger teams don't necessarily mean that you're actually one of the better teams at this level. Uh, and seeing the Iranian sc- squad with some really interesting players like uh, Shekari, I was like, well, maybe there, there is, uh, it, it's our time to shine at this kind of level. So that was my expectations before the, uh, the tournaments and even after the first game as well. Ospin, as uh, Pejman just mentioned, we started really well. We we managed to beat Costa Rica by one goal to nil, albeit it was a very late goal in, I think, around the 80th minute. Uh, but it was a good start, you know, a clean sheet, a one nil win, a uh, very solid performance. So hopes were high going into the second game against Zambia. Um, and of course, the third game being against uh, Portugal. Um, what do you think went wrong after the game against Costa Rica? What could we have done better to qualify for the second round? And also, were you were your thoughts similar to Pejman in the sense that going into the tournament, uh, were you expecting Iran to go into the second round? Yeah. So no, I, I well to the, the, your first question, I think what what started going wrong. I think some of the flaws that you see in the team is that defensively it just started breaking down a bit. When um, against Zambia, we we scored two first half goals and then played. I think they scored their first goal in the 54th minute or something, or perhaps even later. So it was quite relatively late on, and you could see that the defense was just starting to sit deeper. 
defending more na- more narrowly as well, and just inviting the uh, you know the quite sharp, pacey Zambia defenders who kind of stretch that narrow defence. Um, and ultimately, that first goal that we conceded, which started leading to the crumbling down of the team, was because of two mistakes. Um, you had you had um, a cross coming in from the centre, or the ball coming in, and uh, one of our centre defenders missed the header and then that floated on over to the next defender and then you had one of the Zambians coming in behind him and then after that it just became deeper and more narrow so I think we just needed to keep playing like we had been playing against um, against Costa Rica and in the first half where we were attacking uh, not sitting back inviting chances because you're just going to get burned when that happens so um, I think that's where we started going wrong and then the confidence obviously fell and the pressure came on um, and um, with regards to the expectations, yeah, I had similar expectations to uh, to Pejman. I think he made a very good point when he said that um, you get uh, in, in in these youth tournaments, it's not all about the quality and of the players. You get you kind of get that youth factor and the, and the lack of fear, which can give players that spark. Uh, we saw Sweden winning the the youth. Was it the under twenty threes or the twenty ones? I can't really remember. Pokemon Youth was definitely yeah, under twenty under twenty ones in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah, so you, you kind of have that, and you've, you've got a team that isn't on paper the strongest, but performs really well. So yeah, I had high expectations, and and especially after the first game, yeah, it was kind of a classic Carlos Kiros game in the sense that we only scored one goal, although that's been improved on in the last few games by the national team. But yeah. No, no goals conceded. A clean sheet, and one goal. Uh, although we should have scored more, and we should have scored earlier. But so the expectations were there, and I think that may, might have resulted to that um, that deep defence later on when we're two 0 up. Samson, my personal view is that uh, when you go into these tournaments, uh, you know, when it's the under twenties, under twenty ones, is that. It, what really matters is the experience of these players. And as I said, considering the fact that uh, Iran don't usually compete in these tournaments, how important do you think that experience is of playing against, uh, um, I don't want to say some of the best teams, but uh, you know, it's an international tournament where you get to play against different types of football. And yes, the result might have been disappointing, but uh, do you also think that, that the experience will be valuable for these players going forward in their careers? Yeah, of course. I mean, when guys, when guys are young and, and, you know, still have not fully grown and the, the fact that they're getting this much exposure, it, it's, it's it's a great first step uh, from any uh, fan or writer's point of view. And and, and the, the fact that they have the exposure of playing uh, teams of, uh, you know, from different continents uh, in, um, in Korea, I believe it was, you know, it's anytime that's happening – that's an important step, and especially with Kurosh uh, uh, overseeing a lot of what's going on, you know, I, you you can't be too negative with with not advancing. So, uh, you know, I from from a very from someone who's who's usually a little bit critical, you know, I I, I can't be pessimistic of, of you know not advancing or whatever. But uh, no, yeah, it uh, it was it was an important first step, and I, I think I I don't think we'll we'll see any. Uh, I don't think we'll see a lot more shortages of uh, of time spent at these tournaments. I, I think uh, before you know it, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, expected to advance in a in a youth tournament, uh, especially you know more players going 
uh, uh, playing in Europe, being being found in in, in different and uh, in, in, in different clubs in Iran, and then and then moving on and uh, to from, to Europe to all these other places. I mean, it's it's only a good thing what's going on. The fact the fact of the matter is they were seen, and a lot of them excelled, and so uh, that that's something that uh, will definitely be uh, noted, and uh, and I, I believe that. Uh, this is not the first time that we'll see uh, those young players uh, on the inter- international level. Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially with the point we, when you that you said that um, we're not going to see those gaps between qualifying for these tournaments. I think this team has has got great potential, and youth teams are going to follow likewise. Peshman, um this time last year when we took part in the uh, under 19 AFC under 19 championship we we had a good performances as as I already mentioned but there was a couple of um, disappointing results as well like the game against uh, Saudi Arabia which ended up 6-5 and uh, that brought a lot of criticism towards the manager Amir Hosseini Peirovani and having qualified for the world cup which I, I you know we all agree that it was a great achievement some people were calling for him to go and the FA should bring in someone with more experience of, of dealing with these tournaments to come in. Having seen the performances and, and the results in the World Cup last month, are you still in the camp that we, we should have uh, changed the manager? Maybe he wasn't up to it tactically. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I mean... Uh I don't know why we only bring in Peirovani's for the youth, youth teams. You know, we had Falam Hussein, the older brother, and now we have the younger bro- brother. And sooner or later, the, the uh, Afshin Peirovani will probably get a youth team as well. Uh, I don't know if, if there will be a, uh, a big change with another coach or a foreign coach, because the problem is that uh, the youth teams, they are more or less poor. Uh, poor in, in, in finances, not in uh, good players. Uh, the opportunities for them to develop are really not what we can expect. Or, uh, or uh, We can say like this. The opportunities for them to become those players that we want them to be are not there. So no matter how good of a coach you have in Iran, it's hard to make these youth teams uh, good during a long period of time. Uh, individual good players aren't enough, uh, in, even in, the, in these uh, young teams, although they matter more when they're young and when they're older. But uh, I don't know if a, uh, a new coach will do the difference because the problems, the issues, and that's something we've talked about a long time in Golbezan, uh, is that the problems, they, they start much earlier. They start like when they're 12, 13 years old. They don't have even proper training camps. They start at, and they, they continue in the federation where these players, they don't get the, the support they need. This, this starts with the poor academies that we have in Iran. So I don't know, uh, like, Changing a coach is like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we maybe will qualify next time to the second round if we come to the World Cup, but that won't change the big problem. So 
for me, I don't know if a big coach uh, will will manage to be in Iran with those conditions that they have. I can't see that happening, to be honest. I agree. I agree with you, Pejman. I think if we had to discuss the uh, lack of um, qualified coaches in the grassroots in Iran, we'd have to uh, record another pod, which will last a couple of hours. But um, Osman, I, I, we both watched the um, England on the the twenties win the same tournament um, with Paul Simpson, who is not a really a known a well-known manager. I mean, if you look at his uh, his credentials, he managed non-league clubs such as Stockport County and, and a couple of other teams within the same level. Uh, so he doesn't really stand out as a, as, a, as a that great of a coach, but he won the tournament with, with England. That lack of credential was somewhat aimed at Peyrovani, saying, again, this guy has not achieved much. But... When it comes to youth football, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Uh, what do you think? Do you think, again, I asked you the same question as I did with Pejman, that maybe a manager with uh, better technical knowledge would have made a difference? Or do you think as uh, do you think Pejman was right in saying, yes, the, the main issue is that we don't create uh, and develop uh, the right players uh, for these tournaments? I think... Pejman hit the nail on the head there when he said the coach is the, just the tip of the iceberg. There are, with with regards, especially with regards to youth team, you need you need you need that whole infrastructure set up for them, and that's unfortunately something we lack, and then and we might lack in the coming future. But it, it's we're slowly working on it, and that's something again we'll discuss at the later date. But we need we need more friendlies with better teams across the world. You got the you got the governance of the Iranian FA, which is you know that's something in itself that's going to have a detrimental effect on every single aspect of Iranian football, from grassroots up to the national team, and to some extent across even club football. Um, and then the infrastructure and the, the facilities, all of these things will have effects on players. But what these players ha- do have, and you can tell, there's a there's a certain hunger coming through. And you can see in interviews with them, with the younger players, that they they now understand that they the national team is an ambition that is burning stronger than it, I think it has before Kirosh. So the youth players are now the youth players and players not in the national teams are now aiming to get there, and they they know that going abroad perhaps and seeking opportunities elsewhere can help their development in order to. Get, get into their respective men's or youth national teams. So, so yeah, the coach is something that will have a, have an influence, but there are other, other more significant factors than just the coach, especially at that youth level. Um, we need to start thinking about the development and the exposure that they get. Um, but we have seen that the tactics weren't quite there, we, against Zambia in particular. So... Um, yeah, and that's entirely on the coach. So perhaps he didn't quite make the right decision um, when we were at half time. I don't know. Something must have happened at half time. We were two up. He must have just said, I, "I'm guessing." He told them just to sit back because that's not how the team plays normally, naturally. Or that's not how they played in the in the sort of um, 135 minutes in the, in the first half of the Zambia game and the Costa Rica game. So they sat back, and, and unfortunately, we got bit. 
um, yeah. So I think that's some influence, but um, there's other things at play as well, other than the coach. Samson, I've been just uh, mentioned something uh, that really stood out for me about the game against Zambia and the uh, the mistakes that uh, Peyronie might have made, which cost us the game at half time. How important of a of a learning curve do you think it is for our coaches as well to go through these tournaments and learn, not just for the players, but for the coaches to go through this process and 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 come back to Iran and and uh, share the, the the experience and the knowledge that get they gain during these. Um, competitions with other coaches well yeah that is a good point i i mean for, for from the, from the broad view i mean these coaches get to know these players for how long if i may ask like 10 10 months for uh, 16 months maybe uh the maximum depends on how, how long they're there so i mean these are coaches that don't know these play that aren't you know as personal with these players for a long period of time, and the fact that they're still developing uh, says a lot on if you know they're not they weren't familiar with their with uh, with their their tendencies or you know whether it was just a whether it was just a uh, you know tactical mistake at, at the at the later in the half. But it, you know from from the broad sense, you, you have to realize. And I know this is this is poking back at what you guys were talking about a few minutes ago, and, and you raised and. Uh, you raised up an excellent point about the the uh, development from from the younger age and and at the at the you know with the lack of facilities that these these younger kids will have you know you know how, how many volunteer coaches are we seeing in these urban areas where kids are you know playing out when they're not in school they're playing out in the alleys you know all day all night you know how, how many of these volunteer coaches are we seeing that we're used to seeing and and maybe uh, federations in in the uh, in the in the west in Western Europe, or you know maybe in, in just the just the U.S. You know, dad stepping out and teaching these kids how to play, and you know it just goes a long way. And then you add in the fact about the the development of them as, as they as they become teenagers through uh, treating their body right with you know just learning the basic things. Like I, I knew I learned when I was becoming uh, an academy player. In the, in the in the latter stages of my uh, teenage years, before before I switched over to uh, to uh, you know now in in, in college and, and writing and, and covering this as a media member, you know the stuff that I went through, like like uh, uh, going to a workout twice a week, the other the other three days uh, having this training, speed training, uh, defending training, you know all the all these different aspects led by uh, you know. Uh, credential coaches that knew what they were doing and they had been trained by uh, associations, federations, all that stuff. And I was exposed to these f facilities uh, and I grew up in, in a city of about three, four million. I, and going to these facilities in the middle of these poor neighborhoods of having these fields and, and having these uh, teams and these leagues available and having uh, scouts be on hand at these important tournaments, and and that's a thing. That's something I think is is a shortage right now, at least from from what I could tell at at this point, is that you know having having little things such as scouts is is not exactly uh, in in abundance in Iran. Um, you know, and so it starts from just from the bottom up when when you have. When you have the personnel like this in your organization, 
uh, the, you know, the coaches can only reach so far, especially if they're only there for a couple months, six months, 10 months, 16 months, you know? So, it, it, I, and I know you're talking about the, the specific game, but I thought it was an extraordinary conversation to what you were talking about just a few minutes ago because that's that's what affects these players. I, I know, I, I think there was a U14 team that... Um, that a former team elite player took to Germany that was in a tournament. Uh, guys, if you yes. could clarify yes. on that. FC Kio, which is Mehdi Madaviki's uh, youth academy, and he's got a, a couple of former players involved in that as well, uh, such as Edmund Bezik. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's doing great work there, uh, taking them not just to one or two tournaments, but they constantly go around Europe. And I'm sure Pejman can uh, provide more information on this. They go to Sweden very regularly and play uh, in different tournaments that take place there. Yeah, it, with them, it, it doesn't take just one of those teams from, from this just this area that Matavikia and, and his, and his uh, you know, associates are, are, are reaching towards and finding these kids. It takes thousands of these kids competing for these spots, thousands of these kids throughout the cities, throughout the rural areas, uh, having the resources of coaches and scouts seeing them at such an early age. That's what's going on in England, I'm sure. It's, it's what's going on in the U.S., I know for sure. Uh, through this program called ODP, I think they call it like Olympic Developmental Players or something like that. But but and the equivalent the equivalent of that with the Iranian Federation is is definitely uh, going to give this a give give our youth programs a huge boost. And and, and I when Kiros first came in, he didn't have that, so he was reaching out to a lot of international players. Similar, and I thought it was funny, similar to what Klinsman was doing in the U.S. With players that are exposed to the European ties and getting uh, getting valuable um, resources and, and playing time, that's what Kiros did, and that's how we found Guchanaja and Dejaga um, and, and several other guys. And, and now he's being able to have the system put in place in Iran, and I think that's uh, it's doing great work. But but you know, like we said, uh, one one team led by a uh, a player of enormous cre- uh, of enormous cred like Maravikia, you know, you know, fi- founding one team, it's 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 going to have to take a lot more than that. Although we're at we're at a good start, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a process, and we just we just, we don't have the the same budget. We don't have the same same support as many of the other footballing nations, or even some of the right, right. Teams. But you know, volunteers, especially if if you find these. The, the, the culture in Iran is is is, is especially just uh, very exuberant with with the adults with dads you know and it, it's little things like that that really jump start it and 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 uh, get the ex- exposure right. out there with you know so yeah yeah but but listen listen um, this is it you know we have Iran we have these facilities and we have these players and we have these opportunities I mean it's really to be honest even for me it's really easy for us to say that Iran have to develop this and that they have to put more money on this and and start great academies and doing this and that and they will be great you know I don't see that happening anytime soon and to be honest I don't know if you guys actually believe that too even if we have like a coach in carriage that that tries some of that but still he been in running in six years and he he every every now and then threatens to to leave because of these problems and he's like the biggest coach in iran with uh, 
more or less a lot of power. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that we should. I mean, I, I don't know if if it's worth talking about. What we should talk about is how can we try to do the best with what we have, and that's that's not for us really to. I, I I really like the conversation and I really want to keep it going. But I, I, we already discussed that we're going to do another podcast on youth development and grassroots alone and the plans that Kairos has put in place recently in the last couple of months and what that would mean for Iran within the next 20 years. So let's leave that conversation there. We'll, we'll get back to it later on, on another pod. But... Um, in terms of the under twenties and, and the World Cup itself, we as as it's been already mentioned by you guys several times, we do have some good quality players. With the standout being Reza Shekari, the uh, the attacking midfielder who has recently decided to move to Rostov in in Russia, which I think is a is a very good move for him. Just the fact that he's been playing for Zobahan since the age of seventeen, so it was time for him to 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 move on and uh, try and improve as a player but there are also a couple of other uh, interesting players like Reza Jafari of of Saipa like Omid Nurafkan of Esselol who has been very impressive Mohammad Sultani Meher of Saipa and and so on um I'll speak coming to you with this one what do these players need to do and what do the clubs need to do to make sure that the players reach their full potential because it's something that we've struggled as uh, struggled at historically that we produce good players really talented players up to the age of 18 19 but there's that gap between 19 to 23 24 where the player reaches his full potential and is pretty much the peak of his career that we we struggle with what do you think with this generation uh, the clubs and the players themselves need to do to ensure that they make the most out of their careers and their talents the one of the, one of the main things I think that that they need to focus on and the great thing is that this is something they're aware of is exposure so they need exposure to well the first team football primarily but outside of Iran I think that's the, the crux of the problem they um, you have you've had John Bach who, who's here who, who says it very clearly in his interviews and in many of his interviews both in English and in Farsi that uh, that he wanted to go abroad that where he and the reason he wanted to go abroad was that he wanted to play for the for the national team, to not only to be on the radar but also to develop. And I think that's what players need to do. So they need to get first team football wherever they are, be it in Iran or outside of Iran. Um, and then if they find themselves at a certain point, so like Shekari, for example, if they've had a certain amount of first team football and they need that step up, they need that extra challenge, they should look abroad to go abroad. Now I don't I don't blame a player if they decide. I, of course, I'd rather I'd rather they go to Europe. But if they decide to go to 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 one of the Arab countries or to go to like South Korea in this case with uh, with, with Khalid Shafi, uh, who quite late in his career and the autumn of his career in 29 has gone to Seoul um, uh, in South Korea. So you know that's something that they need to focus on. Um, Shafi said himself that uh, just in May. Uh, before his transfer went through, um, that uh, he was asked why Iranian teams haven't done as well in the Asian Champions League as, as, as some of their the other rivals, and he says that one of the main reasons, as well as this, uh, the lack of the 
weaker fi- finances, he also cited an ambition to leave Iran by young players as one of the reasons. And that's a good, I think that's a good thing. And I think with now players see Jan Bach, they see Osmond, they see Ezatollah, he went to Atletico Madrid um, in the C team, they as in their youth development team um, at what was it, 16, 17? Um, so now there's a there's an increased awareness of the fact that in order to really progress as a player and as a particular as a national team player you need to leave Iran but before that you need to get the appropriate amount of first team football within Iran and show and make a name for yourself uh, which is also you know quite difficult for just Iranian players to get that exposure Samson as uh, as has been mentioned uh, it's really important for the players to uh, make sure they they play abroad uh, within different footballing education than the ones that they're used to. Uh, I know that we do have two or three players who've moved to NEC Neimchen in in Holland. Um, But there is also an issue that uh, if these these players do not get the exposure and and the first in football at their their club, then there's no chance a European club would come along and say, look, uh, you know, we'll take you along with you know, whatever money they, they they have to spend on the player. So, how important is it that the clubs uh, understand that these players not only are the future of uh, of the national team, but the future of the clubs themselves? And um, uh, you know, they give them more uh, minutes during the league. So, what do you think the FA should do to encourage these clubs uh, to uh, to give more opportunities uh, to players within that age group of 18, 19? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's partially like a, like a uh, in terms of you know financial assistance, but like we touched on earlier, that's not a huge abundance. But uh, yeah, it, you're you're right. It, it starts with these with the clubs uh, back at home for that these players grow, grow up with, you know. Uh, a lot of times, these homegrown players excel uh, for their for their team, like what we've seen at um, I think uh, for for one example, Persa Police, and then and then they then they get uh, uh, scouted and examined and invited to a national team camp. And so so the, the these clubs that are that you may struggle in the Champions League, you know they they have they have no shortage of of. Uh, players to go out and find there's there's no shortage of anything like that there, there's really for from a from a, you know on paper from a viewer's perspective there's no excuse to why there's not a Iranian team in the semifinals and finals of the Champions League every single year you know uh, when you when you look at the talent level and and and, and what these clubs can have you know the, the, there's there, there's no way on paper at least that they can, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the expansion of, of having personnel like volunteers going out and 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 filming or or uh, writing down notes about these players, finding out more about these players that are in the cities that these clubs are in, you know, it, it's it's really not as complex as it may sound to me, um, at least in in. in in my view, you know, financial means and, and having uh, all these other you know branches that you need is obviously a, a, another uh, important aspect of it. But but you know, it, on on paper, having scouts, having these volunteers that will 
that will go out and, and, and find and, and develop these players and, and have them affiliated with these clubs is definitely something that can be done because we have uh, for sure top uh, two divisions in uh, the Persian golf uh, leagues that uh, that that uh, that they find their own players that they can they can buy, uh, purchase these players from from different part from other domestic clubs and you know it, it, there's definitely a means for doing that and, de- and developing players and and because these coaches that that find these players and that these players start their careers with they're usually the coaches that know them best before they get invited to any national team camp, before they get invited to a trial with a foreign team. Uh, so I think that's important to look at because it, it's definitely something that, that can be done and I think absolutely should be done because the the fact that the national team is, is the three, four-year reigning best team in Asia, but then the their domestic clubs are struggling to... Uh, Struggling to find goals and to find wins in the Champions League knockout rounds, I think I, th- I think that's that's a little troubling. I think something that should definitely be addressed. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Can I just I've just got a question to pose to I guess all three of you, the Um but sorry, um, uh, yeah, in particular, uh, something I think would you, in an ideal world, would want the Iranian national team to be at this level and then you know progress further but also have Iranian clubs doing really well in the Champions League uh, but if you could only have one of those things and I know this is probably just a you know, I know, probably know the answer to the, this question and it's just a hypothetical question but would I assume you'd rather have it this way um, than the other way around if you could only have you know either clubs performing well or the Iranian national team performing well screw the clubs I mean yeah because uh, the Iranian league isn't the best one in, in Asia, far from. Uh, uh, none of the none of the leagues in Asia have their best national players at their uh, own league. At least none of the good ones. I mean, look at Japan, Australia, and, and Korea that we see as we see as, as the best uh, national teams. All of their good players, national players. Not all of them, but a lot of them are playing abroad. Uh, you, you can't talk about Saudi and these uh, Arab countries that they, they stick to their own leagues because maybe they're not good enough or they get a lot of money. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, I uh, agree. Yeah. So, they're a national team every day for me. Uh, there's also a difference in terms of between Iran and countries like Japan and South Korea. Iran, in club football, they do have the money. They do have the money. This is uh, look. If you look at the money that they spend just on wage budget alone on these players, it's ridiculous in comparison to the quality. But the difference is that South Korea and Japan spend the same money, but they spend it on on youth development. They spend it into grassroots and their academies. So when the players, uh, you know, obviously develop, then they sell them on for a for a profit. In Iran, we spend that money on players who are already well into their twenties. Okay, you, you're never going to get anywhere with uh, that kind of mentality and that kind of approach. The clubs will never improve and the football will always stay on the same level. So the FA needs to bring in an incentive for these, play, for these clubs not to spend that much money on players who are already uh, developed. 
you know you need to you need to start we need to start uh, spending that money into youth academies i've listened to many coaches uh, in iran uh, managers and coaches uh, first team managers and, and youth coaches that the, the 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 difference between what a first team manager is paid in comparison to youth coach, youth coach is absolutely enormous, and that gap needs to be shortened. There needs to be an incentive for the coaches as well to get into youth youth clubs. Um, otherwise, if I'm a coach, I'll be of course, I, you know, I have a family to support. I need the money. Where is the money? It is in the first team. So there's no there's there's literally no motivation for me to work in um, in youth academy. So I think that's uh, one thing that uh, also hinders the clubs in the long term, in the bigger picture when it comes to things like the Champions League. Also, when you don't have a great league, it encourages players to move abroad, as we have seen. Um, look at countries, uh, even in Asia, like uh, Saudi Arabia or even, or even China. Or in Europe, look at the Russian League. How many players in the Russian national team play abroad? None, because they get paid so much money and the, uh, there's so much money involved in the Russian League that there is no motivation for the players to go and play uh, in other European countries. So maybe there is a lot of, um, uh, let's say, benefit into the league not developing, but that, that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't uh, try our best to make sure that the clubs are performing uh, at the levels of other uh, Asian countries. But uh, I don't know if you guys agree or... No, I think yeah. No, I I would I would definitely agree with with that point. The as I said earlier, I think that ambition of moving abroad, moving to Europe, is is there and it's growing, uh, and it's and it's coming into players' minds at a younger age. So and that's what we need. We we don't want we don't want our players to be moving out of Iran into Europe in their mid to late twenties. We want them to go. I, I mean, I did. Ideally, you know, in the very late teens or in the very early twenties, get a, get a bit of first team football for for at least a season or so in in Iran, and then and then make a move if you have the opportunity. Just I think that's what they should do, and they should take it. And that's what that some I think that fear that might have existed in the past of moving abroad, which which, which you can understand completely. And that might have dissipated somewhat now that players have seen Dan Bach and uh, Ezotole and, 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 and Tirosh saying himself that he, he wants players to move. Um, and I, I think that encourages players. And, 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 and they get comforted, comforted also by the fact that Tirosh will pick up on that. So we had Kaveh Rezaid. And he, he has played uh, for the national team, but not too much. Is it, I think three. Has he got three caps or something? Um and he is now moved at the age of 25, so not too late. He moved to, to, to Belgium, to Charleroi. He finished what, fifth in the Belgian league last year. Um, so hopefully he can, he can get some good exposure, get, become better, score some goals, um, and get himself a solid spot in an already um, well, well-performing Iranian offensive line. And Tarani has been doing really well, of course, with Osborne. We also have Ansari Fad, so we have we have some good strikers, um, and hopefully he can add to that. But he, I, he also plays a bit. Is he? An, he's not an out-and-out striker, though, is he? Um, I mean, I'm going slightly off tangent here, uh, on a tangent here. But um, is he an out-and-out number nine or? Who's that? Sorry, I didn't catch your name. 
Kobe Rezaei. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a center forward who's yeah. uh, I think uh, he's very unique in the sense that we, we don't have a lot of strikers the way he plays. He's yeah. uh, he's like a playmaker kind of striker where he brings in a lot of his midfielders into the game. Really interesting player. Um, but that's a that's a perfect segue into the next section, Altobin, uh, which is uh, uh, we're going to discuss the recent transfers that have happened um, or the rumours that have been going around. And I'm I'm going to start with the same player that you mentioned, Kovar Azai. Uh, Pejman, what are your thoughts on that transfer? Because uh, when the rumours started, I didn't think that he would leave because he's so settled in Estherlal and usually players who are playing for Estherlal and Paris Police and they are uh, household names in those two clubs, they, they tend to uh, stay and, and not really have that hunger to go and play uh, in Europe or abroad in general. So how impressed were you with that decision and how do you think he will um, he will would, do you think he will succeed in Europe or do you think it's going to be a case of uh, uh, like a Romain Rezaian last season where he decided to come back or even like Sajjad Shahbazade who only stayed in Turkey for a uh, for a season well uh, I, I was surprised uh, and and shocked actually to be honest uh, I mean covers uh, I have been uh, a special player ever since, like he was in the was it in the under seventeen World Cup or something like that. He That's started right. off and became a name from himself, and it took some time for him to to develop in the Iranian league, and and now had a good year in a decent year at least in uh, Estelal. For me, the surprise was not for him only going to Europe because uh, uh, hopefully. It, more and more young youngsters are going to Europe, just as the guys said, and that's a lot of due thanks to Kairosh. And I think he sees that opportunity to at least be in the World Cup squad. But uh, we don't see so many Iranian, uh, um, <clears throat> so many Iranians in in Belgium. I think we have like uh, uh, my man uh, Yazdani back in the time. That's right. Uh, Same club as well. Same club as well. Yeah. And I, I, there, there are some Iranian connections there, but uh, these kind of clubs, uh, they, a lot of European countries and clubs are kind of afraid of bringing in Iranian players because they don't know what they get. They don't. They're not used to them. They don't know what to expect of when it comes to mentality, when it comes to uh, dedication, when it comes to being a professional athlete. Uh, that's and also the the language itself. That's why these countries they have a lot of players from, from uh, Morocco, from uh, Africa in general, and Brazilians are everywhere. So you don't even have to talk about them. So the club is, is making a little bit, taking some risks with bringing in a striker. Also, uh, <coughs> I think that uh, Rezoy will get his chances and his opportunities to play for Charleroi in. I think it's pronounced something like that in Belgium. Uh, he needs to take them quite fast because uh, he's he's far from uh, uh, unreplaceable. He's not the guy they will count on. That's I don't think that's why they bought him. Uh, I think uh, for Kave, it's a good decision uh, in terms of being a football player uh, and also in terms of growing mentally and uh, having the the guts so to speak to leave Estherlal 
isn't easy because for many players, many Iranian players, that's like the, the peak of your career. You, you can't top Paris Police and Estherlon. Uh, so uh, all respect to him and uh, his choice. And I hope he'll do, do well and hopefully earn himself a spot in, for the squad in 2018 World Cup. Um, Samson, uh, considering Kovarezai's move to, to Belgium, looking at it, for me, it seems like he's, he's really desperate to be involved in the, in the national team. Having seen uh, Karim Ansarifar, Sardaraz, Mourouza, Ghuchad Najad, even Mehdi Tarami uh, really cementing their place within the squad, he's, um, that's what I think that's what's motivated him to, to, to move to Europe as an attempt to uh, force his way international team plans within the next 12 months ahead of the 2018 World Cup. Uh, but also another player who I feel has done the same thing is Khalid Shafi, uh, centre-back from Traktor Sazi, who is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated centre-backs in Iran. And he's, uh, he, was, he was heavily linked with Esserlal. Everyone thought he was going to sign and then suddenly he, he turned out uh, with uh, FC Seoul in, in, in South Korea, which is... Uh, I think one of the most surprising transfers I've uh, I've ever seen, but it's very impressive to me that he's he's taken that risk. Um, considering that Kerush is is looking for another centre back as well, of course we've heard the rumours that Ryan Tafazoli of uh, Peterborough in England has been uh, linked to switching nationalities to Iran. I think one of his parents uh, uh, is Iranian. Do you think this could be a very crucial move for Khalid Shafi and uh, we could possibly see one of the defenders who will uh, play for Iran uh, this time next year in the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, the 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 the, the thing to remember here is that, that Kiro says he, he picks the best players of Iran at that practice, at that game, to be the starters. So, I, I think I think that's it's important to, to remember for, for these guys trying to get ahead and, and trying to get their uh, trying to get a good reputation and and, and the fact that they're, that these guys their ambitions are high it says a lot and uh, and it is I thought it was a little bit uh, uh, I guess uh, I guess uh, funny that that um, that he signed with SC Seoul uh, I, I can't remember is. Unless I'm wrong, I think the only other uh, team elite player to sign with the East Asian team has been Por Laganji, but but that was a few years back, and and he went back to I think Qatar, and so. Uh, but but yeah, in terms of uh, resign going to going to uh, Belgium, is it that? Yeah, it, 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 because of because of Guchan Ajad, because of. Uh, Azmu and several of these other guys getting big reputations in Europe, and you know, and that that opens the door for these guys to try to really uh, to to make their case as good uh, defenders or good forwards uh, in in Europe. And I, I think uh, I I think it, it it does give them some some leeway with with coaches and in consideration because of that reputation that. That the, that the national team is building and, and these up and coming guys can use that as an asset to to make their case to Kairos because I mean he definitely he definitely knows uh, the the these European leagues uh, cultures and what they expect and and uh, and what these guys are trying to do so 
I mean, what one can hope, I mean, the, 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 mo the more competitive the, the field gets for these players trying to make the roster, the better. And especially if we get to schedule more of these friendlies as what uh, Kirosh, uh has on his wish list. I think he said, like, upwards of, like, 10 friendlies or something like that before the uh, the before the before 23-man roster is released in, in next June. I mean, that that's, I mean... Hopefully, if we if if Team Elite does indeed get all those uh, friendlies, I mean that that's just more games for all these different players to be called up on, and especially if they're if they're making the leaps to these leagues. I mean that's uh, that's that's all you can ask for. So one can only hope that they uh, they do well and stay healthy. Um, Osbin, um, Khalid Shafi is an interesting player for me because um, having watched him. He, he has the ability to play with both of his feet, which is um, very rare for a, for a central defender. And I think that might have been one of the reasons why a South Korean club has taken the risk on him, since um, their league technically technically is a lot better than the, the Iranian league. Um, but I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you think, first, how do you think he will do in FC Seoul and in, in South Korea? And um, do you think this could be... Uh, a move that not just forces him into the into the squad, but with the aging of Pejman Montazeri and Jalal Hosseini, uh, do you think he could really uh, push himself for a for a starting uh, spot if he does well and he succeeds in, in in South Korea? Well, I think he wouldn't have made that decision to go to South Korea without really thinking about it he's an experienced footballer he's 29 so he also knows that this is probably his one of the one of the well I mean he'll have a few years but this is he's now in the peak of his career so I think he, he is confident that he he can perform and we have seen him perform well um, so what, there's no reason why he shouldn't continue of course there'll be challenges and um, he'll have to adapt to the, the inevitably the new style of football that played a new country and, and culture and the language barrier but he clearly has thought through all of this and he wouldn't have gone unless he was confident that he could he could manage and you touched upon a good point there the fact that he's, he's two-footed we've seen more and more how how teams um, how managers and coaches and just expect the players to be able to play with the ball at their feet that includes centre-backs and we've seen you know, with even with Guardiola, we've seen how that needs to apply to goalkeepers as well, uh, which has resulted in some um, some funny moments throughout the Premier League with Claudio Bravo. But that's another point. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think he can he can perform well, and and linking that through his potential to make a name for himself in the in Team Melli. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? He's now he's already going to be he's now going to be on Kirosh's radar. I'm sure Kirosh is going to keep up with his progress, or uh, perhaps watch, go watch him, or send one of one of his staff um, to do so. So, yeah, absolutely, Kirosh. As I said before, Kirosh has said himself that he wants players to move widely to to Europe, is what he says. But you know, a move, a move abroad, regardless, is going to put the spotlight on you. And now that's a platform on which he can hopefully perform, and then, yeah, as you said, replace the a aging. Uh, Montaziri or uh, Hosseini and and 
maybe become a partner for Paul Aligandji, who's you know who's very impressive. Also a good passer of the ball, uh, as we've seen when he plays in that defensive midfielder position. Then although he hasn't played there for a while, but we know that he can play there and we know that he can pass the ball. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's yeah, looking good. Hopefully he can perform and, and, and get himself that spot and give some competition to the current centre backs, as um, Samson said earlier. Competition is just going to breed better players uh, for the team. So if we can get more players, better players with different experiences involved, that's great. There's one. Um, there's two other interesting moves that are are happening. One is Esan Hajsafi's um, 99% uh, signature for Panionios, the club that also has Masoud Shujai and is Karimans Zarifar's former club as well. He, Hajsafi has decided to, to move to Greece. We've seen him pictured at the airport with the Panionios uh, scarf. Uh, so it's almost a done deal. Um, what do you think about that one? And also, uh, Ptolemy has been given permission by Persepolis to speak to European clubs. And Persepolis manager Branko Ivankovic has, has confirmed this. And he has supposedly uh, offers from uh, Olympiakos in Greece and Dynamo Zagreb in Croatia. Um, what do you think about these two moves, and specifically with the with the Ptolemy one, since he had a a, a failure uh, this time last year with um, with his move to Turkey? What do you think? Uh, how do you think that one will develop? Yeah, well, starting off with Hajj uh, Safi with ninety nine percent. Usually, I'm always trusting that one percent when it comes to Iranian transfers, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, I'll be proven wrong. Uh, because uh, we've seen him in the airport in Greece, so uh, hopefully he will get a contract and everything goes well. Um, I think uh, it was a uh, to be start with Hajstaf. It was a wrong move from him coming back from uh, Germany, although it was the second Bundesliga. But he was a regular player. I'm sure some other team in the second Bundesliga or maybe a lower team in the first Bundesliga would be interesting uh, to sign him. I don't know why he wanted to return to Iran. Maybe this guy miss Iran and the fame and being like semi-god too much. I don't know, so I won't say about that. But I'm glad that he chosen once again to, to leave Iran because he's too good, in my opinion, to be playing in the Iranian league. But he's not good enough to think that he will earn a spot in the, in the first 11. So... Which, uh, with, uh, with some European experience, maybe that can change. Um, with uh, with Ptolemy, it, it's quite interesting because what he and Ramin Rezaian did in Turkey was really embarrassing. Uh, and what he did when he returned, he was like almost crying and begging for forgiveness. I mean, who, who the hell are your advisors and what, what are you thinking? What are you doing? I mean, I don't know if this guy is lost or uh, he's just a nice guy people uh, keep fooling and making money off. I don't know. But he's now given given a second chance because he had a really good season in, in Perspolis and also in, in a national team. He scored vital goals and he's got a really good record. So, for Ptolemy, he should really, this time, make a wise decision if he, he will be offered uh, a contract somewhere. I think Olympiakos is is not suited for him. They will have 
they have the budgets or at least the ambitions to to play regularly in the Champions League and advance to the second round and then I don't know uh, trusting all their money and leaving all the money on on Tottenham is is kind of a risk. Dinamo Zagreb is also one of the biggest Croatian clubs. Uh, but then, uh, you know, at least uh, you have maybe Branko Ivan- Ivankovic giving giving him uh, some praise and tr- building some trust there. Whatever he does, I hope he won't end up in Qatar. I mean, I- I'm glad even if he goes to a really weak league in Europe uh, or in... Uh, yeah, uh, or a weak team as well. It, it doesn't need to be... Belgium and Holland, although I think he's good enough for that, but at least leave Iran and develop somewhere else. Uh, I hope it will become true, and I hope really that he will uh, find a club that he can grow mentally, because I think mentally this guy really needs to needs some professional football help, not professional help in general, but professional football help to to become uh, that that killer that I think uh, he has in him. I agree with the with your final points on his mental strength. But Samson, uh, I, I spoke to a Croatian journalist recently, and he said that uh, Dynamo Zagreb have actually spoken to Branko Ivankovic uh, about a recommendation from him over Mehdi Atalami and what his thoughts are. So there seems to be a, a serious interest from there, which I think is probably the best option for him, considering Dynamo Zagreb, similarly to Perspolis, are the biggest club in Croatia. So that sort of playing for a big team it kind of suits him. What do you think uh, about that and uh, what are your thoughts? Well, he, he, knows, how to score his go- he knows how to score goals, if, if I'm correct. And, you know, uh, any exposure that, he, that he's getting, especially from a... Well, a good team in, in Croatia can only can only do good for him. I mean, the more uh, diverse uh, level of, of playing that he's exposed to, the better because he he's a he's he's a player that can definitely uh, benefit from that and, and grow more because he ha- he has a he has a long way to go and and is developed, but he's already a I think a, a good player. So I, I think why not? And I think uh, if if they if they Take the bait and, and and want to sign him, then I think he could definitely compete for a uh, starting job. I mean, it's it's not you know it's they're, they're, there's not a they're not overwhelmed with talent over there, and especially with the with the guy that's that scored some goals for for Iran. I mean, why not? Uh, right? In theory, it could it could work, but but you know you never know how these things go. But but it does help with the, the connection with with Ivankovic telling him telling them. Uh, Telling them what's up, so I, I, I definitely would, uh, would, would hope that that uh, communication goes well and that you can, uh, that there there can be something there because I mean, uh, you know why not? Yeah, I think I think you make a, you guys make a good point with the, it would be a move to Dinamo Zagreb would be good, one of the strongest if not the best team in, historically in Croatia. I think, the, but I think one the main thing. With any player transferring, but Tony especially is a striker and a, and a striker who is approaching the prime of his career. And, you know, he's been play, playing a lot of first team football, scoring well for the national team. He's, he, but he, he can still develop. He's still young enough, only 24, he's 25, quite soon. 
he the most important thing for him is to get first team football. So whether that you know he needs to be in the starting lineup, scoring goals, whether that's in Dinamo Zagreb or one of the five um, top Greek clubs that he's been linked with, he needs to make sure that he goes somewhere where he's guaranteed first team football regularly. That's the main thing, especially at that age. He can't he can't be spending any time on the bench. He needs to go somewhere where he thinks he can play as much as he well where he is he has the he's ensured to play as much as he can. Um talking of strikers, uh, another striker who's had a, a long summer of uh, transfer sagas and, and rumors is Sadar Osman who has been linked away uh, linked with a move away from Rostov. Um we all thought this is the time for him to to move to Western Europe and play in one of the top top five leagues, which he has the ability, of course. But in the last few days, there's been some um, surprising developments, and, and we saw him um, turning up at Rubin Kazan's uh, training camp in Austria, and he was pictured in the in the in the club's uh, training uh, training kits and. Um, of course, his his mentor Corban Berdiev has, has recently taken charge of Rubin, so that clearly has had an impact on his decision. But again, it's not be, his move hasn't been confirmed by anyone, and uh, in the Italian press, there's been rumours of of Lazio uh, making a bit for him and getting in talks with Rostov uh, for his transfer. So there's there's a lot of stories going on around uh, Osman's future. Uh, but Otspin, coming back to you on this, uh, what do you think would be the right move for him uh, at this stage? Do you think staying in Russia, which clearly he's, uh, he's loving life in Russia, do you think that would be the, a, a wise choice for him, uh, especially with Rubin? Uh, or do you think now is the time for him to really take that risk and, uh, and move to West Europe? So, I'm going to be honest, when, he, when I heard that he was in talks with Ruben Kazan, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I mean, I just couldn't understand why he would, it didn't make any sense. Apart from, as you said, uh, Berdiev is someone who's clearly quite attached to. They're both of Turkmen origin. Well, uh, Berdiev is from Turkmenistan. Um, so I can understand that. But I, it just it seems the backwards move. The fans didn't seem to like him the way he left when he went to Rostov. There was all of that sort of. The the league the legality of it was of that transfer was brought into question and he went to and he went to the courts, um, but I think in terms of from a pure footballing perspective, I think it's a, it's, it's the wrong move. He's now at the right time where he, he needs to step up and go to the next level and going to Kazan would be a step down. He's had with Kazan he had Europa League experience. He had a he's had well, the season before last a great run in the Russian league where they finished second and could have won the league up until the last game day and then he had a good Champions League um, you know, experience this, this season with Rostov scored against Atletico Madrid scored against Bayern uh, Munich and made Boateng one of the best defenders in the world look like a fool and before that he scored against both Ajax and Anderlecht so you know he's his name is out there people will know about him and hopefully these rumours of Lazio, which were um, in a few days, three four days ago, Football Italia, um, a well-respected um, platform for um, Italian football news, um, wrote that Lazio were interested, having lost out on Barini 
as he is now going to AC Milan, Fabio Borini from Sunderland. So that would be a good move. I think that's, that would be a very good move, hopefully. I don't know how much substance there is in that rumour, but it's definitely, if it's on the table, it's definitely something he should, he should pursue. He can be, we, we will all agree on that he is he is the best striker Iran has had since Ali Dai, and it's just, and we have had we haven't really had anyone perform even half as well as Ali Dai since he retired uh, in that number nine position. I mean, we've had Muchan Najad for a few years, but still, uh, Oswald needs to now step up and really take himself to that European level where he is getting not only not only playing in a top club and by uh, in a top league, and by that I mean one of the top four or five leagues in Europe but he also needs to play for one of the better teams in those leagues get himself European football international European football and, and just become a better player Pejman uh, as has been said he, his, his record in the Champions League is is great you know we saw some fantastic performances against like of Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid but his his goal scoring record in the domestic league for Rostov is not that impressive and I feel like this is what's been putting off some of the European clubs from making a move for him. But also, um, his, uh, I mean, odds being said that uh, it would be a step down for uh, uh, for Osman. Sorry, I, lo I lost connection. Uh, could you please uh, uh, tell me the question again? Yes, of course. Um, I said uh, he has a he had a great record in the Champions League with some great performances um, but his goal scoring record in the domestic league wasn't that impressive but going to Rubin I know that Altsbein said he would be a step down but I look at the Rubin Kazan squad and I feel like the, there are better players for him to play with he'll be surrounded with much better players such as Alex Song Jan Envia uh, Karadeniz you know much better players than what he was playing with at, at, uh, at Rostov so maybe it Maybe it doesn't seem as bad of a move as uh, it might come across as first. What What are your thoughts? Well, in this question, I think we a lot of us we, we tend to think with our hearts or than our, than our minds, and uh, I think we all love to see Osmond uh, in a bigger, bigger and better uh, league and club as well. So moving. Once again, uh, domestically in Russia, it's kind of frustrating for us fans. Uh, so I'm trying to understand him as a football player. And the football player, Osmoon, uh, is like, in Russia, I'm, I'm now at least a well-known name. Uh, I will play uh, regularly or at least uh, every game, either as a starter or I will play like 30 minutes, something like that. He had his mentor in Berdyev in Rubin Kazan, which seems to be far more important for him than most of us uh, seem to, to think, because uh, we know that he has got some good offers from other countries, and he said it himself as well. So uh, I, I'm trying to, to understand Osmoon here, and uh, I think that he, he maybe could be worried that leaving uh, Russia would be a gamble for him, like uh, maybe not be able to get any playtime in a bigger club such as Lazio. Um, and 
I don't think that he, he think that he will lose his spot in the squad, but maybe he won't be a regular starter in the national team because right now uh, he's more he's more or less number one. Even though we have Ansarifad, Taremi, Gochanejad uh, in in more or less the same position, so maybe he wants to keep it safe uh, to the World Cup and after the World Cup. If Iran and he himself will play good, then he can choose more or less whatever country he feels that he wants to play in. So I think we can manage uh, one more year in, in Russia in uh, with Rubin. But I hope I'm wrong because I too want to see him in Bologna, Atlanta, wherever. Just, you know, leave Russia now. Um, I have a really interesting quote here. I mean, there was, after he was seen at the Rubin Kazan training camp, um, there was a lot of uh, made-up rumours in Iran that he has a contract with Berdiev and, and this is the reason why he's moved to Kazan, which of course is untrue. But it brought out a reaction from Osman, which, in which he gave an interview. And one of the quotes is, uh, is that uh, there is no 10-year contract with, with Berdiev but I have a lifetime contract with him. I owe him my career and I'm willing to follow him wherever he goes. So, so, so that, that's, for me, that's really interesting because that shows that even if there, are, there, are, there is an interest from Lazio, from any other club, that he, he, he's really willing to move with Berdiev, uh, willing to work on the Berdiev because he's enjoying it. So for me... Uh, when I read that, there's, there's really no doubt in my mind that uh, the move to Rubin Kazan will go through. Uh, but w what are your thoughts? I've been heard, um, of course, the quotes from himself, but also what Artsbeen and, um, and Pejman had to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that he's, he's still 22 years old. Um, so he, he's, I mean, he's, I think he's still uh, far from his prime. His prime can you know, last in the next you know, five years, six years, or more. Um, but I, I think uh, if you want to think uh, efficiently um, to, to not be too uh, greedy, I guess, and, and, and land a, in a, a big team uh, right now, maybe not be able to get as much playing time um, and then in preparation for a World Cup year, you know, I, I think he, maybe he could spend one more year over there, and I and I think one more year could definitely be enough to to, to sign with a bigger club. But I, I mean, right now, I mean, anything that's uh, anything that's that's getting him in in decent, uh, that's keeping him in good shape and, and making sure that he's not losing his spot. As a consistent starter with Team Ali, or you know, get, having uh, any fallouts or injuries, you know, th then then I, I think I think it's it's not um, it, it's not something to be worried about per se right now. Now, if this is going on again next year, where where he he can't or he's not uh, actively. Um, Trying to sign with with uh, someone else like a Lazio or or anyone else, then then I, I think uh, I think he, he needs to make the leap. I think you know Kiro should give him some guidance, but uh, 
but but I mean, if he takes one more year, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset about it. But if he does indeed land at Lazio, if it's a good deal for him, he would get good playing time to compete. Then that that would obviously do wonders for him in a in a perfect situation. Um, now, it, whether it's a perfect situation is you know, still be you know sought out. I mean, we we don't know the we don't know the exact uh, details, but but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I digress. If 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 he uh, if he if he wants to stay there for one more year, that's that's I think that's okay. But I don't think his future and his prime lies in the Russian league. That's perfect. Thank you very much, guys. That's that's all we have uh, for today's episode. Uh, of course, I'd like to thank Pejmanopoulos and our new contributors, Artvina Mayedi and uh, Samson Tamijani for the. Uh, fantastic insights um, but let's keep the conversation going on, on Twitter you can you can tweet us at uh, Golbezan that's G-O-L-B-E-Z-A-N uh, guys thank you very much for joining me today um, hopefully first of many podcasts that uh, you guys uh, will be coming on um, but that's all we have uh, thank you for listening and uh, until next time goodbye yeah thank you